Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by it Green. Is. It is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. I know I keep saying it, but we are still here. We're keeping going. Training camp is only a few weeks away. If you believe uh, the news, nothing has been confirmed yet. So we'll be focusing in on that nearer the time. Uh, But joining me, and I'm pleased to say, uh, not walking uh, this time around, it's Nathan Palmer. Nathan, are you there? I, I am indeed, Paul. Um, Joe, it's funny, I listened back to last week's episode um, <laughs> and I thought when I was walking, I was like, oh, I sound good here. Like, you know, not, <laughs> doesn't sound out of breath at all. And I, at times, I was a bit like, I listened back, I was like, Jesus, like, I sound like I'm jogging. Like, <laughs> well, to be so fair, there's, some quite, listeners, there's but... some quite big hills in North London, so um, that's your yeah. excuse, I think. Um, thank you thank you for having my back. That's all right. Um uh, there's a first for everything, isn't there, really? But um, <laughs> um, it is episode 91, and uh, we do have a special guest later, and I'm very pleased to say that it is Bengals rookie linebacker Akeem Davis Gaither. Uh, ADG is joining us uh, a little bit later. Uh, but until then, we're going to talk some nonsense, because there's not a lot to talk about at the moment, is there, really? And I think the biggest news uh, that's coming up this week is AJ Green's uh contract extension deadline um i think i do believe we're recording this on on monday the 13th so apologies if you listen to this after wednesday the 15th but um yeah i mean it's going to be an interesting one isn't it because we haven't heard anything yet not a peep actually so i wonder what is going to happen in a few days time Yeah, absolutely. And there's two sides to the coin, really, isn't there? There's a lot of people in the media and the press that are saying that they don't, they think the Bengals and AJ Green are quite a way apart and what they value him at, and that there's probably quite unlikely that a deal gets done. And I think I have to say, I would be surprised um, if a long term deal was announced in the next couple of days. But then there's the other side of the coin. I saw this just before we jumped on the podcast was um, looking at the salary cap. And the Bengals got the fifth highest available money at the moment, I think somewhere in the region of around $28 million. So they've certainly got the funds to get the deal done. They've got money tied up, um, locked away for extensions to key players, which obviously AJ Green falls into. So they certainly can get it done. It's just whether or not, I guess, that they um, can agree on the what, what he's worth, so to speak. I think that's the key, isn't it, really? I, I've been going on a few other podcasts recently in the past week or so. I went on a Welsh... You, you dirty scoundrel. Well, you tell me this. It's all, about, it's all about spreading the word, Nathan. And, uh, well, that's, that's, what, that's what you call it, is it? 10 o'clock last night, uh, straight after the watch party, I was on the Welsh Prowns podcast uh, <laughs> talking about... Uh, well, they were just asking me about uh, the Bengals and what to expect and... Uh, kind of talking about our draft and the free agency class this year and who to look out for. And and actually, they asked some very interesting questions that I really had to think hard about. You know, normally you kind of do a few of these these things and you kind of have have the answers kind of stored up in the back of your head somewhere, you know, uh, you can trot them out. But they did ask me about AJ Green, what I thought and whether I thought, you know, or what was going to ask me to predict what was happen, what would happen. And it is a very difficult one, I think. I mean, I think I think it's pretty obvious that most people want AJ to stay on the team. Uh, he's had a tremendous sort of nine, ten years with us. He's a, I still think he's got another good couple of years in him. Um but the plain fact of the matter is he just hasn't played for a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I thought you were going to come in with something No, I thought you were going to carry on. So this, is, this, is, this is the blunders of modern technology. Exactly, I thought you were going to yeah. carry on. But, exactly. Um, I agree with you. And I think that is it, isn't it? I, don't, I think when healthy, I think the Bengals, even due to his age, would be willing to sign him to that long-term extension. There's absolutely no doubt about his character. He's a great guy well-liked, well-respected in the locker room. There's no issues there. I just think, 
yeah, there is that question mark. A year and a half is a long time. The NFL is an unforgiving business. The older you get, the more injury-prone your body becomes. Uh, you know, as a man entering his 30s now, I can tell you that after playing football a bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, a man in his um, 40s after playing football with you, uh, <laughs> I can tell you that as well. Bloody hell, my knees are absolutely... I'm still crippled from last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's the state of us, son, isn't it? I know, uh, we absolutely. We should get paid after after injuries, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it's going to come down to what the doctors are saying. It's going to come down to, you know, AJ Green's agent and AJ himself are going to be valuing him as the player that they know he is, and the Bengals are going to be valuing as, well, what have you done for me recently? We've just paid you a shed load of money over the last sort of 18 months to two years, and we've got almost nothing in production out of you. Why should we pay you top dollar rate, sort of in line with some of these top guys around the league, like Julio Jones, etc.? And I just think I can understand why there's that divide, because we've both got a point, and I think that unless they're willing to be flexible and <laughs> sort of find this middle ground, then it's going to be tough. And I mean, the franchise tag's big money for AJ. Like he's going to, if, he, if he plays on that this year, which he said he will, he'll get paid well. He'll get paid very handsomely. Eight, it's 18 but, million, isn't it? Yeah, which is not, you know, it's not, it's, 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 it's not bad money if you can get it, is it, for a no, year? No, but I think, I think he's seen uh, Julio uh, Jones' yeah. contract and he wants 20 mil, you know. Uh, I think it was, yeah. was it north of 20 mil that uh, Julio Jones got? I'm not quite sure. No, I'm not, neither am I. But I think it's just that, I think the risk that AJ's playing, obviously, if you play on the franchise tag for a year, yes, it's good money for a year. But if he gets injured again, or, you know, even if he just has a sort of subpar season, perhaps his long-term value, you know, really struggles then because he's another year on the clock. And I think another injury for him, if he was only able to play a handful of games this year, I think there'd be very, very few people willing to give him any sort of big money, long-term deal um, with another year on his tyres. So it's a bit of chicken, I guess. It's who, who you know, how, how close are the Bengals going to come to him? They've certainly got the money. And I think they'll certainly look back on people like Andrew Whitworth in the past. That they've, you know, valuable players, leaders in the locker room, exceptional talents that they have let go in the past. And I think the AJ situation is a little bit different than Whit. Whit never really had as many injury problems. He was very reliable. Um, but still, you know, if AJ Green was to go elsewhere and he landed on the Cowboys, he landed on the Patriots, he landed on, God forbid, anyone in the AFC North, um, and he had three or four more productive thousand-yard, ten-touchdown seasons. I think we'd all be sat there cursing ourselves, really, because we at the moment we don't know what we got in T. Higgins. You know, he looks, he talks the part. Bengals fan, great potential, but we don't know. John Ross probably is not going to be in next season, and Tyler Boyd, whilst he's a good player, he's not that number one burner guy that's going to tear you down the field and get separation so we do need a guy like that that's going to be on the team long you know for the next sort of two three years at least it's excellent to have a weapon and a leader to help someone along like joe burrow so i think there's real value in keeping him but it's hard isn't it because you don't want to pay through the nose for someone so i would personally i've hummed and hard about this but i've come to the conclusion that if the doctor's saying to me there's nothing wrong with this guy chronically he's fine you know, he could get injured again, just like anyone could get injured yeah, again. Yeah, I think but that's the point, isn't we've, it? We've given him a physical, we've checked over his knee, his toe, his foot. He is fine. He's in great working order. I would probably err on the side of, we've got $28 million in the bank. We're fifth most, uh, fifth most cap room in the NFL. Let's sign this guy for at least two, three, you probably want a three-year deal at least. Let's try, let's try and sort of give him it if we can, because... He's for the most part of his career, ninety percent of that career, apart from the last eighteen months, he's been a an absolutely fantastic performer and credit to the franchise. So I would tend to always want to give him the deal. I think that's where I've settled. I think. But what about yourself, Sam? Where 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 are you on the this side of the fence? Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Actually, um, I I don't blame the Bengals at all for being cautious at all. You know, they get a, a bad rap for. Holding either holding on to the wrong players for too long, or letting go the wrong players too quickly, you know. Um, but I, so I, I, in this instance, you know, I really don't think they're at fault here. They want to see going forward what they've got. 
but if you're in rebuild mode, you do need those uh, leadership guys like AJ Green, like Gino Atkins, like Carlos Dunlap, uh, who can really mentor young guys, especially, as I say, if you're in the transitional mode and in a rebuilding mode, you need someone, as you mentioned, to mentor T Higgins. You need someone to mentor, you know, whoever the next cab off the rank is. I, I still think John Ross will not be here next year. Um, but I think, you know, AJ still can do job for the next two, three years. Uh, you're right. I think it comes down to, down to doctors' reports. If there's something chronic going on, uh, then you really have to look at it, don't you? And again, I wouldn't blame the Bengals if they did, did cut him uh, after, or at least kind of put him out to tender next year after 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 the franchise tag expires. But um, whereas Dalton, there was a real regression in terms of his output. I think last year, uh, the last time we saw AJ, he was he was looking really really good. Um, and I still think he can be a top five receiver in this league, like he kind of always has been. So, like you, I, I'm erring on the side of, yes, let's look at the doctor's reports. If there's nothing chronic going on, um, we pay him for the next two, three years. And Because I'd love to see AJ finish his career uh, in Cincinnati, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. And I think what AJ Green is, is he's a rare X factor in the league. He's not just a he's not just a good player that's going to turn up. He's someone that's got that special bit of talent that is rare across the league. Not many players have it. He can just produce something. He can just go up and get a ball. He can just outrun defenders. He can just outmuscle people. He can just catch those balls that other people don't. And I think they're the rare players in the league. And I think when he's healthy, and if he's healthy, he's an incredible, incredible player. And I remember last year in training camp when he went down and the Bengals said he was going to miss three or four weeks or something like that. I remember saying on this podcast, saying that that's really blown the air out of us a bit. And I think a few other people are like, oh, no, like, you know, he's still got other talent. We can weather this storm. And I was really sceptical because you, it's so hard to do well when you lose such a focal point of your offense like that. And like I said before, Tyler Boyd's a great player, but he's not the number one guy. You need someone like AJ, the strength, the speed, the power, the attention that he commands from cornerbacks. It's, you know, when he's playing and he's at his best, he's top five receiver in the league, always has been. And I think if he can get any back anywhere near that, the difference it'll make having him healthy versus last season will be enormous. You know, forget Joe Burrow. You could have Andy Dalton back out there next season. If AJ Green's healthy, Tyler Boyd's healthy, John Ross is healthy, um, CJ Uzama's healthy, Mixon's healthy, that is a very, very, very good offense. No doubt about it. You know, a top, top half of the league offense, at least, even with Dalton there. So, you know, with Burrow coming in, we don't know what we're going to get yet. He's going to take some time to learn, but... AJ's a big player, and if, if he can, you know, I've said it a hundred times, but if he can be healthy next season, it'll be a real weapon that we've almost forgot we've had because it has been, in fairness, quite a long time since we've seen him out there doing his thing. Yeah, and I think another aspect of this is seeing him play with Joe Burrow is such an exciting prospect. Um, yeah. And if I was AJ Green, I would also be quite excited as well by, by with you know, by playing with... You know, the Heisman Trophy winner, the number one pick in the NFL yep, draft. Yep, yep. I think that's yep. an exciting thing. And AJ being AJ, I'm sure he would want to... I know he had a very close relationship with, with Dalton, both on the field and off it. Um, but I would be excited to play with this new guy. Uh, it's You know what I mean? I, I would really be juiced up and ready to go. But it's just a, a case of, you know what the Bengals like are in contract negotiations. They're pretty hardcore. Um, so they want, will want value for money, and I'm sure AJ will want Julio Jones money. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I personally don't expect anything to be done by Wednesday. No, no, um, neither do I. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they were able to get a deal yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, which leaves things completely up in the air, really. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, but I think I think pretty much everyone wants AJ back because 
as I say, Dalton regressed last year, over the past year and a half, I'd say. Um, but when AJ last played, he wasn't. You know, do you remember the the start of the 2018 season? He was making the most incredible toe-tapping sideline catches and all sorts of crap. That last minute, that last second touchdown in Atlanta. He yeah, was, yeah, he was yeah, making yeah. some plays. You know what I mean? So. Um, I, th- I think it is. I mean, like you're talking about that. You're talking about the 2018 season, aren't you? I mean, that's nearly bloody two years ago. Well, that is you know, again. We- that's the flip side of this argument. We haven't yeah, seen I- that for almost two years. Um, and like, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you forget just how much of a talent he is. And I think sometimes when players are injured, you sort of learn to live without them a bit and we've been very much used to sort of not having that separation and struggling at the receiver position and I felt I felt really bad for Andy Dawn at times last year he's behind a really poor offensive line with countless injuries and frankly from a skill position standpoint outside he really didn't have a lot you know John Ross was in and out of the lineup you had Tyler Boyd but again good player but on his own not really a lot and then you're trying to you know find passes to Alex Erickson and it just it, it just didn't have a lot going for him. No, lack no of I agree. But also lack, the, lack of separation. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I get all that. I, having I, having Green back just gives you something that I think a lot of Bengals fans have forgotten. I mean, it's been a long time, and I yeah, think yeah. when you get someone like that back, it is going to be like God. Like this is almost like having a new player on the team that's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, he it, it's not just a contributor. It's not just someone that's going to get you 500 yards a season and three touchdowns. It's someone that on his day with a potentially quality quarterback play, uh, play could be a 12 to 1500 yards mm. a season type of player if he's at his best see so, i i do think he is a candidate for comeback player of the year this year i really yeah, do yeah it's a good shout you know you can, you can chuck uh, ben roethlisberger in the bin as far as i can say because i this was the other thing that these guys asked me what do i think of the AFC, afc north this year and they obviously asked me about the Browns and what I thought. And uh, so I tried to be as diplomatic as possible. Um, uh, the Ravens, obviously, are kind of head and shoulders above everyone at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, in that division. Uh, but I did say, you know, I do, you know, Steelers have got a great defense and they've got a great offensive line. But I really do think Roethlisberger's done as an F- NFL quarterback. Um but a lot of the national media are kind of touting him as a possible comeback player of the year. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think. Um, I was also on the Five Yard Rush podcast with me and a certain Paul Brown. I think I mentioned this last week, didn't I? Um, <clears throat> well, I've got, to be, I've got to have a word with my agent here. How are you getting all these gigs? I've not had a, I haven't had a podcast gig, gig in a while. I'm going to have to... Uh find myself someone new here son Are you, i don't know how you're how you're getting all these geeks. well you know they obviously can identify the real talent in this uh partnership <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but no oh, they, they, they they were asking about where's the pass rush coming from you know and um i think it's a legitimate uh legitimate question really because even though dunlap had a great end to last year he wasn't great along with the rest of the team earlier on in the season. I mean, Sam Hubbard chipped in again with nine sacks last year, I think it was. Um, Cole Lawson looked a threat when he played. Uh, Gino had had his moments. He always has his moments. But we want consistency from Gino again, I think. So I think it is a a, a legitimate question. Um, But I I think DJ Reader the signing of DJ Reader and people like our special guest, Akeem Davis-Gaither, um, will will really benefit Gino because the pressure will will be off him a little bit. If you've got DJ Reader disrupting things like he can do, that's going to open up all sorts for... Because you can't double-team Gino and DJ Reader all the time. So that that that, to me, is a very exciting partnership there at the the heart of uh, of that defensive line 100% and the talent there in theory Reader, Atkins, Dunlap and Sam Hubbard is exciting and you've got Carl Lawson in there as well as someone who's going to flex into the rotation on paper very very good but 
four of those guys were here last year and we the last yeah, and the year before and we've been historically bad on defense over the last couple of years so I'm hoping we can step up. I'm hoping we can get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, Reed is a really exciting, probably the most exciting free agent the team's picked up in the 15 years that I've been a Bengals fan. Hmm. You know, I can't think of anyone that they've gone out, paid top money for someone who at nose tackle may be one of the best um, at the position in the league. So that is really exciting. Obviously, we've they've made some fantastic signings um, in the secondary. They've made some rotational signings as well with people like Josh Bynes and stuff like that. So... The defense is the one area that I think should definitely be better. If they can integrate these guys and they can get them playing at a high level and Luana Rumu's scheme fits and it works and he's got another year under his belt because he came in late last year, um, then I'm hopeful that, that certainly the defensive side of the ball, things will be much improved. Well, that sort of neat, neatly segues, I think, into uh, our special guest. As I mentioned earlier, we do have a special guest this week, and what an amazing special guest it is. It is uh, one of the Bengals' newest linebackers. It is uh, the fourth-round pick out of Appalachian State, Akeem Davis-Gaither. Akeem, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. Really thrilled to talk to you. Um, you know, welcome to the Bengals, I guess, if that's a strange thing to say after months after the draft. But, you know, as fans, I just want to say welcome. I'm glad to be here. Okay, uh, Akeem, now your dad, Keith, was a coach, uh, and I'm not sure if he still is or not, but um, were you destined to become a footballer? Do you think it's kind of in your fam- family DNA, right? Yeah, football definitely in my uh, family in jeans. Uh, my dad, he played college. He still coaches college football. Uh, my brother, he played football. Uh, really, my whole family. I was born around football, and really the sports period. So, for one, football is going to be something sports-related. Right, right. And um, did you, because of your family connections within the game, did you ever feel pressure? Did you ever want to go off and do something else? Or, or was football your number one goal? I used to be really a, a, a baseball player. I used to put all my focus in baseball. But um, I always uh, was around football because of my dad. So I was always training for football. Um, so really whichever one showed the best opportunity in college, that's the one I, I chose, and that was football. Right, right. Um, were you always a linebacker? Because I think I read somewhere that you were running back as well. Was that right? Yeah, I started off as a running back, then went to safety, then moved on to linebacker. Right, okay, okay. So what was it about the linebacker position that kind of suited you and kind of uh, you, you kind of went that way? I think really... Uh, so I went to a small, a smaller school, a high school, and we had just lost our starting two starting linebackers the year uh, prior. They needed somebody to fulfill that, and I was pretty aggressive in the run at, at safety. Hmm. And it was a, a, a freshman coming in that was a pretty good safety, so it just made a best, uh, a great decision to move me down and let let him start at safety, and I played linebacker. It's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Right, isn't it funny, like, throughout careers, you hear these kind of strange quirks of fate, yeah. uh, and it kind of works out great, right? Because you've got this new safety in, and then you have moved over to the linebacker position. Now look where you are. Right. Yeah. And, and what, what about the safety? Where's he? Do you know where that safety is now? Uh, I think he, he played, he's still, he's still in college. I think he played uh, Winston State. Right, okay, okay. Now, I did read an article, because I do like to research, you know, don't listen to anyone uh-huh. that says I don't, but I do like to read up on the guests that appear on this podcast. And I read an article, I think it was in the Charlotte Observer, who did a bit of a profile on you and said, um, when you were at Thomasville High School in North Carolina, you weren't very good in your kind of yeah, early... <laughs> In your early years, but yeah. then, then by your junior year, things began to click. So, what happened there? Was it the move to linebacker, or did something else happen? Uh, I mean, this adapting to uh, high school and it's maturing and it's growing my knowledge of football, and then on top of that, moving the linebacker more. And what I was born to do is mm. play instinctive and, and run and hit people. So, uh, I think that definitely added into 
me developing to the way I uh, became my junior year of high school. Sure, sure. And then you went on to Appalachian State, which look I've looked at the photographs, and it's like slap bang in the middle. That's my yeah. It's slap bang in the middle of the Cherokee National Forest. I don't think I've ever seen a more beautiful campus than that. Yeah, um, surrounded by mountains and what that that must have been something else to to attend that university, right? Yeah, definitely a sight to see. Uh, and then you went to the Senior Bowl, where you you uh-huh. made such. I know I'm fast forwarding quite you know quickly here, but you went to the Senior Bowl, um, which I think I read that you were the first person from your your town or, or kind of high school to do that. You made such a huge impression. What was that week like for you? Tell us about that experience, and did that make you feel you could really perform at the at the pro level? Uh, I want to say that that week showed me that I can uh, play with guys, guys like that. Because I always, I mean, you always want to believe in yourself and uh, have that type of confidence, confidence to uh, play at the next level. So I always believe believe I belong at that kind of stage, playing with uh, guys from bigger schools or at the next level, professional level. Uh, but that week definitely was uh, different. It was definitely fun being able to play. So I, I went to a smaller school. Being able to play against guys that went to those bigger schools, uh, SEC and uh, schools like that, so it definitely was a a great experience for myself and, what, and for my family as well. Sure, right. I mean, what what was the mindset going into that week? Did you kind of just say I have to stay true to myself, or did you kind of say right I have to step up my game in certain areas? What what was that mindset going into that senior bowl? Uh, I mean, you never want to try to do more, do more than what you've been doing. Um, and then that's, that's when you end up, you end up messing up, <laughs> trying to do, trying to go outside of what you originally do. Hmm. But I just wanted to really just show the show the teams, uh, show the world that uh, I belong in that stage, like you just asked, and um, that I belong on on that kind of stage, and, and I'm not too small to play in the box, not to. Uh, I got a place that's as good as somebody that's bigger than me in the box. Right, sure, sure. Um, and then it came to the draft. I'm going to ask you that about that in a second. But it came- then it came to the draft. And I have to tell you that so many Bang- Bengals fans that I know mock drafted you and really wanted the team to draft you for real. Um, yeah. Have you heard that before? Or is that kind of weird coming from a fan like 5,000 miles away in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just got a uh, got something in the mail from a from, from a kid in the UK. I think I know who that person might be. Yes, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, so you were suddenly on the map, and that must have made you feel great, right? That must have been well, slightly surreal, I would imagine, but also really great as well. Yeah, it definitely was a, a great feeling. Uh, but I try I try to stay stay calm throughout the whole process, uh-huh. not to get too overly excited. And which eventually ended up happening anyway. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so, so when you when you were taken in the fourth round, is that kind of where you expected to go? And and did you did you kind of have a bit of a feeling that the Bengals might take you from from your kind of interactions with with Coach Taylor and, and Anarumu? Um, was that something that you were kind of expecting? Yeah, we, uh, I was expected to go there um, based off what the conversation I was having with them, and my agent. Um, we just didn't, we just didn't know when. Right. Knowing that I had a uh, foot injury, if I was uh, how that was going to play a role. So uh, we definitely thought that there was a, a chance, a possibility. But we always, you always hear the stories of uh, guys go to places that they didn't hear from mm. throughout the whole process. So. We we put that in the uh, in the spec too, so we just wanted to uh, to see how it goes. Mm. So I, I guess I need I need to ask you. We spoke to uh, one of your fellow new linebackers, Marcus Bailey, on this podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, and it's a bit of a rhetorical question because as I say you know we've been we kind of identified the linebackers that we quite liked as fans and you were one of them. So we've seen plenty of film, but if someone out there who hasn't seen you play before, what, what can they expect from you? 
Um, it's a guy that, that plays his heart out, that runs sideline to sideline, that plays very aggressive, with a lot of excitement and energy. And it's somebody that, that loves the game that they don't back down from nobody. And you're, uh, what, what I think a lot of people, when they saw you play on film, um, uh-huh. you know, highlights on YouTube and whatever, you're extremely hard to block. You are one bendy person. I was going to say something else there, but you are one bendy person. Um, <laughs> you, you, where, where does, I mean, you're great in, in coverage. You, you, you're a playmaker, aren't you? Where, where did that kind of instinctive play come from? Was it, was it again born? You were born with that, those instincts, or has it been taught uh, to you? What, what would you say about that? Um, I think a little bit uh, natural, and this is working it, yeah. practice, and just practicing hard, and just putting it in your head that uh, nobody's gonna stop you on the field. You can't be blocked. Uh-huh. Uh, this one, this one big guy that can. Uh, they can uh, change, change the, uh, the dynamic of the game and just uh, stick, stick to what, what I do and just believe in myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, well, again, I, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, the knock on you, I guess, by some draft experts, were, you know, what the hell do they know, but... Uh, is that you were too you were too small to play the line but you're too small to play the the linebacker and this is someone at five foot seven you're six foot two so you're still a giant to me but um to play to play the linebacker position some say that you're too small i mean what do what do you say to that well, how would you what would you be your counter argument to that i tend not to, i tend not to argue people that are, to, uh, cut on the tape or wait to the next game Right. To find out for that, and uh, did that so? So I mean, in today's, you know, there was there used to be a prototypical linebacker size, right? But now, I think it's right, a lot yeah. more flexible. So, do you fit? What? Where is your best position? Is it Sam or Mike, or do you like to rush off the edge? What you? What kind of position is your best in that linebacking core? Would you say? I think Will's pretty good. Mm. Uh, allow me to. Uh, it won't. It won't limit me to one side like how I was in college. Mm. I better play both sides. Better uh, play both sides of the field. Uh, if they if they need me to rest off the edge, I can do that. Mm-hmm. So really, just whatever they ask me, I'm just do my best to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And how's the foot, man? How's the how's the foot? It's healed. It's it's all ready to go. It's all good. Yeah, it's coming along pretty good. So, uh, and then the pandemic hit after the draft. You must have been so excited and can't, couldn't wait to get up to Cincinnati. And then this pandemic hit. How has it been? For, how has it been for you? I mean, the Bengals linebacking group has been totally revamped this off season with a new coach as well, Al Golden. How have you all been getting on? And what's the vibe been like over the Zoom uh, kind of virtual? training camp or mini camps and OTAs how, how have you found that whole process uh, wait, I, I always looked at the, uh, everything that went, went on as a positive for me since I was coming off the foot injury hmm. so it bought me a little bit more time to get healed and get back in shape and, and all those all those good things but um, with the Zoom is that everything went pretty good we got as much as connected we could through, through the Zoom hmm. Which everything, of course, it'd be a little bit different once we in person, but it was definitely good. Uh, me and Jermaine, I mean, we're from the same hometown, so. Sure, sure. Already knew, me and him already knew of each other. All right, okay, so you had that kind of, not friendship, but you knew of each other already. Yeah, we, we actually played against each other in high school. Oh, wow. So yeah. what was that like when you first hooked up over Zoom? Did he, did he get in touch with you when you were selected, when you were drafted, or what was the deal there? Oh, we were, we were talking way before that. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you got two. Yeah, like we, like we actually know each other. You got two North so Carolina we, boys in that linebacking court. Yeah. Well, look out! That's all I'm going to say to that. That's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what about you, Akeem? Uh, we always ask our guests what they like away from the football um, field. 
Um, and I know you probably can't wait to get up to Cincinnati to, to actually meet your teammates and start uh, getting in some right. reps on the on the uh, on the practice field. But I read you've got a cleaning business down there. Is that true? And that you're a dad, and you know, life seems quite busy for you. Yeah, I would say too busy. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a dad. Uh, she, she wanted to go spend some time with her grandma. Okay. So give me a few days, two days off with her, run around, jumping and everything. And how old? Yeah, you, and how old's your daughter then, if you don't mind me asking? She too. She just turned two in uh, May. The terrible twos, as they say. Uh, see, I told was somebody had said that was gonna happen. <laughs> and I told them that it wasn't. And it's been so good so far. Okay. And what about the cleaning business? What's it called? Because I came up with a pun. It's not called a clean David da Davis Gaither, is it? No, we actually named it after, uh, after her middle name. It's called Renew and Joy Cleaning Service. Uh, okay, that's cool. And I was going to ask, because like, during this pandemic, are you busy with the cleaning business or... Uh, like most independent businesses, have you had to shut down during uh, the pandemic? Uh, we had shut down the first couple of weeks when they all broke out, but now I mean it's pretty it's pretty uh, slam busy right now. Oh wow, that's good to hear. But, but me personally, I don't, I don't clean at all. Yeah. So when do, when do you expect to get up to Cincinnati? I know that the NFL. Uh, PA and the, and the clubs and the NFL themselves are talking about training camps and how games are going to be staged and how, in fact, training camp might look. Have you heard anything? Right. Have you, have you? As I say, I bet you can't wait to get up and get started, right? Yeah, the earliest I heard is July nineteenth. Right. That's not set. That's not set in stone right now. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we can't wait to see you in stripes uh, Akeem honestly we were so thrilled when the team selected you because how many times do you kind of have a favourite player in the draft and your team actually drafts that person it, it, does, it doesn't happen does it so we can't wait to see you actually in stripes um, if there's a message for Bengals fans out there obviously they had a pretty uh, the team uh, we had a pretty ter awful season last year uh, what would, what would be your message to to Bengals fans across the world? I'm just ready to get up there and help uh, turn the organization around. Brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, Akeem, thank you so much for joining us on a Sunday. Uh, um, I hope you have a, a really good rest of your day. And listen, man, we're going to be rooting for you over here. Uh, and best of luck, honestly, best of luck for the future. We can't wait to see you in action. I appreciate that. You do the same. Well, there we go. That was one of our newest recruits, the brilliant Akeem Davis-Gaither. And I was absolutely speaking the truth when I said that, uh, you know, out of, out of the whole draft class, I think I, I knew so many people who wanted him. Um, he just fits what we need perfectly. He's mobile. He makes plays. He, he's got that instinct around the ball. He's quite bendy. He's quite difficult to block. Uh, he could be a fantastic situational player. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do in stripes. Yeah, I mean, that whole position group, from Marcus Bailey to Davis Gaither and Logan Wilson, I mean, that's going to be very interesting to watch their development. We so desperately need one of them to be a leader and sort of a nasty defender on that defense because we really, I think the linebacker position, we've talked about it before is one of those that's really, you know, in need of an upgrade. So hopefully um, if it's not him, it's Bailey or it's Logan Wilson, or hopefully it's him. Um, um, he can have a, an excellent career in stripes. Absolutely. And um, just going back to the podcast, I was doing one subject always came out and that was the offensive line. Now we've spoken about the offensive line, Lots, but it, it's kind of quite interesting that it's not just us that fears for our offensive line. It's it's just kind of people uh, from the outside looking in as well. So that's uh, that's one to watch out for. Um, okay, another bits of news this week: uh, the Redskins have ditched the Redskins. About bloody time too. I remember sort of what well, when I first started. Um, 
supporting the NFL in the mid-80s. And, of course, Washington were quite good. They'd won a couple of Super Bowls in the 80s. Uh, in fact, the year before the Bengals went to the Super Bowl in the 88-89 season, they came to Riverfront as Super Bowl champions with Doug Williams under centre and Art Monk and all those guys and Joe Gibbs, the legendary goat Joe Gibbs as, as head coach. Um, and I remember thinking then, something doesn't quite sit right with me about calling a team the Redskins. It seems, even in my formative years... Uh, it felt a bit wrong. So I'm I'm personally delighted that they've actually finally made the move. So um, what about you, Nathan? Are you, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't really want to get into this, the whole can, cancel culture thing, but this is one thing I think, I mean, it is worth looking at and, and kind of taking action over, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is the this is what these movements, um, the positives that come out of them, is it forces people to rethink things, look at um, things that have maybe been glossed over in the past. And I know I think there was a campaign um, against Dan Snyder and the Redskins about three or four years ago, and it came quite close. And I think he sort of stubbornly held on to you know really didn't want to change it. But I think these protests and the awareness and the movement has really. Um, amplified that pressure more so and not that I really like to get behind the corporate side of things but um, I think Nike and also FedEx the two big sponsors of the Redskins obviously with the you know the stadium being yeah. uh, FedEx field am I right in saying and then um, obviously Nike being the kit supplier saying look we're not going to supply any more of these kits um, has basically forced his hand so it's a good thing you know like I agree with you like it, it, the Redskins is not a very good name certainly anymore it's it's very outdated it's offensive and i think it's a really positive thing that they've moved on with it so i think they're what are they going to be announcing the new name is that oh, i don't know they're, they're going to have to work quite quickly right because um you know training camp is only a couple of weeks away hopefully um and the season will you know the weeks will tick by so they've got a they've got quite a a job on their hands to come up with some new branding that that you know, the majority of people are happy with, uh, you know, rolling out the replica jerseys and, you know, the whole kind of apparel line, you know, clothing lines and caps and, you know, branding at the job, stadium. It? It's a hell of a job. They've got a real job. So I'm, I'm actually quite excited for, for Washington fans. And of course, we, we're due to play them this year. So it's going to be very interesting indeed, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, speaking about starting the season again, I believe that uh, uh, the Bengals sent out some guidelines uh, to season ticket holders which read something like they are planning for supporters to come into uh, the stadium at a reduced capacity, uh, uh, kind of uh, blocking out seating nearest to the field, sort of eight rows back or something like that. Um masks mandatory mask wear and face covering wear in the stadium for fans so that's going to be really interesting it's a no-no to tailgating which kind of makes sense um so they it looks as though they are planning for people to and fans to be in the stadium albeit at a reduced capacity very interesting it been a real shame to the tailgate, I know obviously there's a lot of uh, you know the Bengals bomb squad and Jim Foster and everyone running some incredible tailgates out there in Cincinnati. So my sincere condolences to them. It's a real shame, and obviously you know those eight home games for the tailgate and the fantastic experience. I know you've been, son, haven't you? Something mm. I was dead on my bucket list, 100% to attend one of those tailgates. But I think for a whole season to lose that, it's a really sad thing. You know, it's another whole year and. Another about 13 months until the next potential tailgate at Paul Brown Stadium, which is really hard actually to sort of fathom. Um, I mean, great that the fans can go into the stadium, that's better than I, I think having a whole NFL season behind closed doors without any fans would be a really, really difficult thing to watch. Actually, I think it's been hard enough in as we've talked about before in European soccer, slash football, whatever you want to call it, not having any fans. I mean, my team last night scored two goals in the um, in the last minute to get a draw, and you just see there's no fans there. You know how would that have looked with mm. fans there? You know all of these games at the moment that you're seeing 
with these incredible comebacks, wins, everything else. It's just it's so sad not to have any fans there to create any sort of atmosphere or noise when positive or bad things happen. So I'm happy there's going to be fans there from an entertainment standpoint, um, from an ethical standpoint, a medical standpoint, an epidemiological standpoint. Oh, hello. Chucking that in there for the the listeners. Um, It's hard, isn't it? And it's a difficult one to weigh up. Obviously, the situation in the US at the moment is tough. It's tough across the world. Um, I know they're doing a lot of tests out there, which inflate the numbers. but The numbers are still very high, and they're not really looking like they're going down too much at the moment. But I don't know. If they can do it safely and it's with good scientific advice and they think they can fill these stadiums 20% up and people wearing masks and they deem it to be safe enough. And obviously it's outside, which is, you know, a, a positive thing then good. Great. I hope they can do it, but it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because you, you can't help but think all it will take is one game where all of a sudden some fans are testing positive or players are therefore testing positive or event staff. And it could all get very ugly with the amount of people that are involved on game day. So yes. Um, interesting very very difficult one what was your take on it my son yeah exactly as you said um it'd be great for some fans to you know season ticket holders to especially to attend those games but i still worry about the close proximity of um you know the fans and the the service staff in there and um yeah i do worry about it a little bit you know um However, they seem to be pressing forward with it. And as I say, it's an ever-changing situation. So, um, I don't know. We've just got to wait and see. I mean, training camp hasn't even been confirmed yet. And that has to that's supposed to be in a couple of weeks' time, you know. So, we shall see. Right, on to correspondence. As ever, you can reach us at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter and uh, Bengals UK on Facebook. Let's start with The Bengal at The Bengal 4. Okay, y'all, I have an amazing idea. If you love fantasy football and you love Joe Burrow like I do, this is for you. I will be doing a fantasy league where all entry fees will go to Athens County Food Pantry and Foundation for Appalachian, Ohio, in conjunction with the Joe Burrow Hunger Fund. Um... More than happy to give that a shout out, uh, the Bengal. So, uh, a great idea, and uh, do follow at the Bengal Four if you would like to uh, be involved in that. Very nice, very good initiative. Right, Dom at Bumbling Bengal. Um, Solid handle. Let's confuse the non-UK listeners. If you went on the chase, which chaser would you want to take on? Love the podcast and watch parties, guys. Hope you and your families are all doing well. Thank you, Dom. Um, I got into habit of watching The Chase because I was spending quite a bit of time with my mom earlier on this year uh, and certainly late last year. And she watches The Chase on, um, like, rerun channels, like Challenge TV and stuff like that, which I just don't understand. You've really got to like a quiz show to to watch watch it on Challenge TV. Um, I like the Vixen because I've got a bit of a crush on her. So I'm going to say the Vixen. Are you a Chase watcher? Do you know even know what the Chase is? I don't, mate. No, I was, I was, I was. It's, <laughs> I thought it was that show on Channel Four when that these people like had to go on the run and the police had to track them down. It was to prove how good the police were at tracking people down. Like, it was called something similar to the Chase. I thought it was quite fascinating, actually. I think there is a US version of the Chase. Over here, we've got uh, Bradley Walsh. So, um, um, What is it, son? Well, it's basically uh, you start off with a certain amount of money, uh, which equate to sort of steps on a ladder. And you have to answer questions, right? You and the chaser. The chaser is this kind of general knowledge expert, trivia, quiz legend, you know. Um, yeah. And so you you both get asked the same question. If you get it right, you go a step closer to home. And the chaser also moves a step closer to you. But if you get a question wrong and the chaser gets it right, he or she moves a step closer to you. 
and then eventually you know that chaser can catch you up basically and and kind of you know it's uh it's all right you know it's a quiz show which is there we go nice for everyone isn't it um what's next touchdown tips at touchdown tips should we be worried that the Bengals are yet to sign any of their draft class? Yeah, I just wonder if that's something to do with maybe the Bengals and other organisations and looking at how that's going to affect the salary cap, if there's any risk of there not being a, um, a full season or and how that would sort of affect people's deals. So I don't know yeah, if there's anything I think that more... might be part of it. Because like, if you sign... So, for instance, we've just signed Mackenzie Alexander for a one-year deal, right? So, imagine if the season doesn't start for whatever reason until January. Or yeah. the season they decide to kind of just do play divisional games and then the winner of each division goes on to... Yeah, um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Something like that. Um, I do wonder whether it does affect players who have signed one-year deals, basically. Well, yeah, and it might even with the rookies and stuff. Like, there's any threat that the season might not. I mean, there has to be, however small it might be, there has to be the fear to owners and whoever else that the season might not happen. It probably will, and it looks like it will. But let's just say, you know, possibly there's a big second wave that's more deadly than the first. Now, I don't want to scaremonger. I don't want to you know, say anything based on those facts. But if there was to be something like that, and it was a very, uh, a, a much worse second wave, they might just have to say, look, we've got to cancel this. And yeah, I'm just wondering with those factors at play, if it affects things like insurance, if it affects things like wordings of contracts, if it mm. affects money per game, bonuses, because all these players are on bonus incentive schemes. If they throw for a certain amount of yards, catches, um, all these various incentives that are in deals, guaranteed money and everything else. And if there's a threat of one of those at seasons out of their four or five that they sign for not happening, and who knows? You don't know how long this thing's going to go on for. I mean, I'm probably more positive about it than others, but there's no guarantee that in a year's time that it's going to be completely eradicated and things back to normal. We're all living with it. Hopefully it is. It's most likely, I would say, it probably is. But mm. I guess owners with their focus on the money and their focus on using it and spending it wisely and sort of covering all bases are going to be looking at this with teams of lawyers saying, look, you know, what should we do with this? Yeah. Should we change this? It's going to be very that? interesting, isn't it? Are, um, are we liable for this? You know, mm. so I don't know. I don't, I mean, the Bengals are notoriously quite thrifty with these things and quite Mike Brown's ex lawyer. Um, so he'll certainly, know what he's doing in these situations and want to be quite cautious i would imagine so i hope it's nothing more than you said before that it's just a case of getting them in the building getting the ink on the paper yeah but we'll have to see yes we will see very soon um I, uh, for what it's worth uh, adam it's uh i don't think we're we're the only club that are doing this i think there are lots of unsigned rookies out there uh and free agents rather um, especially free agents, not so much rookies, but um, Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. You always get great guests on the podcast from Scott Hansen to Dunlap to Zach Taylor. Who has been your favourite to interview over the years and who would be the dream guest, Bengals related or not, you would love to have on the podcast? Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and say for me, it was Sam White. That was just, he was a genuine hero to me growing up to, to and to actually speak to him. Uh, when we did uh, was just a real dream come true and you know as I say the fact that we did manage to speak to him before he sadly passed away makes it even more uh, special for me really uh, the one we did a few weeks ago with Tommy Smith was is up there I've loved talking to people like Ken Anderson and all the players I think it's the historical guys actually that I prefer talking to I don't know why um, yeah uh, I think they can look back at their career with some sort of perspective and, and they've got fantastic stories to tell. Um, but yeah, certainly for me, it was Sam White. Uh, I love talking to Zach, actually, because that that was something that we put together for our 50th episode. And yeah. um, uh, that felt like a real special occasion, you know, and obviously we recorded at Wembley and uh, and all the rest of it. Um, 
but he was great. Uh, so yeah, I think I think for me it's Sam at the top really. Uh, but you know, speaking of Dave Lappin and Jeff Hobson and and Paul Dana and Jay Morrison and you know Lindsay Patterson and uh, all these guys are just uh, at least Jesse, who we must say uh, wished maximum amount of luck to. She's leaving Cincinnati, uh, so we thank her for coming on the podcast a few times with us. Um, it's all been a thrill, really. I have to say, a bit of a cliche, but. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. But for me, it's Sam. It's always Sam. I think we've we've been. And it's so easy to say this. We've had some extraordinary guests in terms. Of, they've all been really nice. I don't. And I'm jinxing this massively. But we've never had a situation where we've called someone and they've forgotten or said, "Oh, actually, I've not got time for this now," and left us in the left us in the lurch, and then had to say, oh, "Actually, we haven't got a guest this week because the person's cancelled on us." Yeah. Um, yeah. And they've all been lovely people. Every single one of them we've spoken to has been genuinely nice, interesting, engaging. Um, there's been some really funny characters on there. And I was surprised, actually, that there's never been anyone who's been a bit snotty or reluctant or, you know, the most of the people. And I mean, you, you obviously do an incredible job of um, securing the guests some. But I think you would say that a lot of people have been very open and very engaged to it, and I, we can't thank them enough for coming on. Mm, um, absolutely, absolutely. But, but, but it, for me, for me, I would say I think two of the nicest thing, people we had on. Dave Lapham was incredibly. I mean, he's just an incredible guy. Yeah. Um, so nice, so friendly. You know, having met him in person and podcast, he did me the nicest thirtieth birthday shout out which is incredible um a video for my 30th which is incredible and anthony muñoz as well he was a mm. was such a nice gentleman um really interesting engaging and insightful he was brilliant and then personally for me i think speaking to carson palmer just purely for my sort of time growing up being him being the quarterback for so many years when i became a fan was an honor to speak to him and i think he was very interesting as well some funny stories of um, when I was growing up, having people like Chad and um, Chris Henry, it was some fantastic stories back then. Obviously, in the Marvin Lewis era. So, yeah, I think for me that was one of my one of my favourite interviews. Uh, in terms of dream guests, I think for me personally, uh, it has to be Boomer. Um, yeah. Uh, I think for everyone else, it has to be Chad. Really, so they're on our hit list. Put it that way. But it those Mar- Marvin two... Lewis for me, okay. Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Uh, if we got Marvin on, I'd just, I'd be, uh, my voice would be quivering. I think. <laughs> well, well, we shall see. As Mar- Marvin used to say, we'll see. Um, okay, who's next on this procession of chat? It is Sam Anger, I believe. Our old friend Sam, uh, Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Uh, you've got to pick in order of which you'd least like. A face one over from Jofra Archer uh, but you only get to wear a helmet no other padding now Jofra Archer um, is is a, an England fast bowler in in the sport of cricket think about uh, perhaps uh, you know your favorite pitcher throwing a fastball at you at 100 miles an hour uh, and having to face him with just a helmet uh, I'd be okay with that actually because I would not be anywhere near the ball to be honest with you um uh, I wouldn't wear any clothes if, if whatsoever. You, if you if you took a, a fastball from Joffrey Archer to the bollocks without a box on, if you weren't wearing one of them, you would. I mean, that would be indescribable. I think there might have to like, be an amputation at some point. Uh, <laughs> there. <laughs> there, there, there would be if it hit you clean in the bollocks, ninety-four mile an hour from Joffrey Archer. That's you both be bought. That, that'd be it. Be good yeah. night. Uh, I'd still be okay. I'd just walk. I don't know. I'm okay with just a helmet. Uh, you're or B. You're a quarterback for one series, and you only get one offensive lineman to play in front of you. But the pass rushers are JJ Watt, Geno Atkins, and Nick Bosa. I mean, I'd have a crack at that, wouldn't you? You'd have to have a very quick release. Put it that way. Um, especially if it was Bobby Hart in front of you. Goodness me. Um, <laughs> If one series, you're basically getting wrecked by a combination of what Bosa and Atkins, or you. Well, I mean, the thing is, you're guaranteed to get hit, aren't you? Unless you just throw the ball straight into the ground. Yeah. I'd probably take the over from Joffrey Archer and just hope he's bowling outside off stump. Well, there's, there's, just... there's more. There's more. 
Oh, uh, right. More... <laughs> or, or C, one round with Mike Tyson is prime. See, that one... Oh, no, no. That, that, that one fears me the most because he, he was just such an animal. He could kill you with one punch. So at the moment yeah, that could. that would be my least favorite option. Yeah, I I agree. Tyson, if he if unless you just lay, if you like had to fight him and you couldn't lay down, he'd not he, he would kill you. And it would just take one punch, and it probably wouldn't be yeah. a very hard punch from him. Uh, to, to no, deck he, me. he'd catch you on the nut, and you'd be <laughs> that'd be it. D or D, there's another one. Spending three hours with Bobby Hart whilst Ray Lewis brings you beers. Um, well, let's—I mean, that's quite unpleasant, <laughs> I would say. But uh, I think I'll, Mike, I'll say that Mike Tyson is the worst one for me. I think uh, so. Definitely Tyson. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Alex McQueen at Queenie underscore nineteen ninety three. I missed last week's topic, but my sporting memory was the last game ever for my Bradford Bulls versus Leeds Rhinos. The first of many times they have they have been in administration, the emotions of not knowing if the club would exist teamed with a derby win was special. Uh, and also, Alex adds a question: With the news tailgating is prohibited at PBS this season, are there plans to take the virtual tailgate international this season? If this season does actually go ahead, of course, um, we are going to be carrying on. Uh, 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 online tailgates uh, this year, so maybe we can hook up. But you know, people like Jeremy and Jim will still be going to the games. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, we'll we'll be carrying on our um, online tailgates. We're talking about some upgrades to it. Uh, we're in discussions to make it bigger and better and more entertaining. So watch this space. Um, Nick Parker. Um, uh, I'd like to say on. Paul is in a multi-million dollar discussion at the moment with Bud Light. Um, <laughs> and we're having a few discussions with some betting companies that are willing to finance it. There's not as much. I think there's a few hundred thousand from um, from Bet365 that's throw, uh, floating about. So just watch this space. I know Paul's dealing with the uh, the people at their end. So we're hoping to have something to announce shortly on we some. Uh, yes, Nathan. Of course, uh, Nick Parker. At- I've, all, I've, all, I've always got this this image, son. I don't know why this image of you being like some disgraceful businessman running this podcast, like pocketing <laughs> obscene amounts of money. I just really hope that we can monetize the podcast and you can steal from it one day. It just makes me really happy and warm inside. Good to see that your moral compass <laughs> is still pointing northwards. Uh, Nick Parker at Big Parks seventy one. Uh, Solid handle on general on a general NFL topic. Is anyone a better name for the team from Washington? I hear they like the Skins, short form. So I hope they go for Bear rather than <laughs> rather than Four. Uh, but my favourite option would be to cheer against the Washington Fat Cats. Keep well, stay thirsty. Well done, Nick. I like the Red Tails because it it harks back to that kind of squadron of. Uh, is it an African American squadron in World War Two? I think that's cool, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Yeah, Red I mean, Tails good. We're gonna have to wait and see. Have you got any uh, uh, kind of uh, things you want to? Oh, the Red Tails, great name. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm on board with that. But apparently, that in America that means a sore ass. Basically, a red tail <laughs> is a sore ass. So, well, it's quite okay. apt for Washington, really. It's going to be interesting. But I say they're going to have to like get a. Get a get a shimmy on, aren't they? Because they haven't got too uh, they haven't got too long to do it. Uh, I don't think. Uh, and finally, Matt Moon um, at Matt Moon. He he's he forwarded a tweet earlier um, where uh, Jeremy Rouch, who is uh, who works for the Fox Nineteen channel, he's at Fox Nineteen Jeremy. Uh, he went for a, a coney eating challenge. And, but I saw that, and he he ate ten in a row and asked us whether do you think we could handle ten conies back to back. I like to think I could really. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I oh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I could. You know, I don't know if I could. I'm I'm not sure. He did ten apparently, so I don't know. It just depends on your uh, 
I did have had a vegetarian uh, um, skyline before, and it was actually not bad. It was actually not bad. So I, I'm going to say yes, um, and maybe next time I'm, I'm in Cincinnati, I'll, I will take that challenge. If anyone is in Cincinnati is willing to send eleven vegetarian conies over um, that are in somehow in an edible condition, then Paul will take the challenge live on Cincinnati. Well, you can buy like sachets of Gold Star and all sorts. So I might I might ask Gold Star if they can send over some sachets, make a a vat of chili and do it in my own house. Get some you know corn mints or whatever and make it up myself. And uh, maybe that's some fun summer jape that we can get into at some stage <laughs> anyway that's about there it uh thank you very much for to akeem davis gaither and i really mean what we say i think we're all rooting for him to do really well uh in cincinnati thank you very much for listening do keep in contact with us at who underscore uk on twitter and bengals uk on facebook we have only two more watch parties to go we kind of said that we'd finish them um when training camp starts, uh, and we're kind of hoping that's going to be, uh, you know, the week after next. So we've got two uh, watch parties left, and this coming Sunday's watch party is the AFC Championship game from 1988-89 season uh, versus the Bills. It's all on the line. Can the Bengals get to the Super Bowl? We'll have to wait and see. So until that time, it is a who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the cincinnati bengals organization